0: It's the Derek and Mike Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. Hit us up on Twitter at Derek and Mike Pod. Or we're on Instagram as Derek and Mike, or on our website, DerekandMike.com. My name is Mike. This is my boy, Derek.
1: What's up, Mike? What's up, everybody?
0: Derek, I am really looking forward to our interview today. We have a very special guest I'm excited to talk to.
1: Yeah, me too. No, yeah, we've had this set up now for a little while. And yeah. uh, I think I've been I looking, I got looking a few forward questions. to it.
0: And I've been looking yeah. forward to asking all kinds of questions. And with us today is Earl Went the Fourth. Better known as Boo. We're very happy to have you here. How are you doing? We're doing very well. How are you today? We are. Good, good. Now, uh, so Boo, I guess right off the top of the bat, um, would you mind telling us the
2: the story behind your nickname, Boo? All right. Well, there's a couple different. The big story behind my nickname, Boo, is my sister couldn't say my first name, Earl, and she couldn't say my middle name, Louis. Uh, my middle name. So for brother, she kept calling me Boother, which got shortened to boo. And, uh, I tell people, I said, see people calling people nicknames. I say, Hey, think about what you're doing. They said, what are you talking about? I said, look at me, you know, 60 years old. They're still calling me boo. You better think about what you're calling your kid at a young age. (laughs) Some nicknames stick for a long time. And that's sort of a different name to have in the funeral business. Well, and
0: that brings me into, it's, it's like a perfectly apt name, uh, for the business that you're in. Um, you are the owner and operator, uh, funeral home director of Went Funeral Homes in Moline, Illinois. Correct. Um, lots of stuff interests me about what you do. Um, primarily, the longevity. This family, this business has been in your family for over 150 years. Is that right? Yep, we started in 1866. I still have the horse-drawn hearses out here in the garage. That is incredible. The original horse-drawn hearse. Yeah, purchased new by A. H. Wenton in
2: 18. 18- 80. wow <laughs> that is <laughs> you incredible. think about that, 1866 that's 20 years before the Statue of Liberty yeah
0: that's just one year
2: after the Civil War ended yep that's when, that's when the funeral homes embalming process really started so they could get the soldiers back from the battlefields in the Civil War back up to the homes for their families
0: really so pure necessity so unfortunately lots of lots of boys died far away from home and getting them back home was a uh a big job to say the
2: least so embalming well, yeah. became I mean, common you know, practice well you, you couldn't get them on planes i mean it was you know horses to the trains the trains to wherever they needed to go sure and
0: was it for, for your family i assume it was primarily illinois residents who signed up in yes, L- illinois yes. um yeah. illinois contributed a lot of or or provided a lot of soldiers for the civil war and i believe illinois was also the home state of abe lincoln is that right
2: uh, yeah, he was out of Springfield, Illinois, but better yet, Ulysses S. Grant is just a little bit north of here. Wow. And there's nine generals out of Glena, Illinois, and nine generals from the Civil War came uh, from Gleena, Illinois. Wow. So a lot of
0: Civil War history out of, out of Illinois. Yeah. Were you any of your uh, family members involved or not involved in the in the funeral home business um, serving the Civil War?
2: Not that I, you know, I don't know about serving the Civil War, but uh, you know, I got my family right back to there. My father was the genealogist; he would have known. Ah,
0: okay, okay. So I I tried to. uh, I'm going to try to give a brief rundown of the history of the business. If I get anything wrong, or if there's anything you want to add, please just jump right in, um, because I love history and I love the history of your business. I think it's really uh, a remarkable American. story of an American family and American business and and uh, I feel really fortunate to be able to talk to you about it so I'm going to try to run through it um, so 1866 a year after the Civil War ended uh, J Robert Erler um, an immigrant from Germany who came over in uh, 1853 so just a little bit before the Civil War um, Correct. started the business right and he was a cabinet maker who yeah he was
2: making caskets and cabinets at the time okay and then his
0: do- his daughter married a H wentimp Okay. He ended up being the funeral grant. So A H went was his son-in-law, and then he took right. over the business in 1880,
2: right? Uh, actually, he was you know start with his father, you know his father-in-law making the furniture, and then he just he transpired it more into it is actually A H went furniture and coffin room. I have pictures of the old building there with him standing in front. Then we have A. It was A.H. Went then later just down the street was A.H. Went Furniture and Undertaker. Oh, so
0: that's a, that's a photo I wanted to ask you about is the photo on your website where it's A.H. Went Furniture and then right beside it is A.H. Went Undertaker. Um, Correct. So there was another business nearby by another age went or same guy two businesses
2: oh the, the same same gentleman he okay. just started down the street with the furniture store and that gotcha. that's the second building with uh, him standing in front of the brick building
0: was that a common crossover between um professions furniture making and coffin making or undertaking oh oh yes most okay. definitely that's how they that's Makes how sense. a lot
2: a lot of the funeral homes ended up with even having store furniture stores and we had appliance stores and furniture store up until like the 60s 50s 60s okay and then uh, then uh, we get out of the furniture business
0: wow that reminds me of not that it's related but similar in 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 crossover is like how barbers were also dentists or medical providers because they you know kind of had the chair and had some of the tools and and,
2: uh, (laughs) having the chairs is big key i guess i guess as long as i'm
0: cutting your hair might as well extract a tooth right it makes (laughs) sense wow yeah as long as you're building cabinets i mean there's not that much of a difference between a cabinet and a coffin so why not right yeah um so ah went around the late 1880s took over the business but was working with his father-in-law before that um He was the one who acquired your current location, right? The the beautiful Victorian
2: home that you're sitting in right now. Is that right? Y- yes, yes. What happened was part of our family stayed up the uh, upriver from where we live. We live on the Mississippi River where the only spot it runs east and west. Okay. And it was known as the Rapids through here. And they would have a uh, steamboat captain. They'd pick up, before the lock and dam system, pick up a steamboat captain. And they'd give you a ride down past Moline. Then then the captains would take boats back and forth, you know, special drivers to get through the rapids here. And uh, so they were up in Port Byron, and then some of our family stayed up there. Then the other half, you know, then there's marriages and stuff like that. Then uh, the Went family came down here, and the Daly stayed in that original brick building up in Port Byron. And then the Wents ended up down here in this building since 1928.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so late 1920s. But the building itself was built, like, right after the turn of the century, right? 19- 1902. Wow. It's a beautiful building. And that's where you're sitting now, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, One thing I had a question about is um, AH went Undertaker, uh, that it says right there on the old building. Is there a difference between the job or role of an undertaker versus a mortician versus a funeral home director? Are they all one and the same? Is there any difference?
2: They're all one and the same. The name Undertaker came from... I think it was the Greek. Now you're now you're making me take my brain back, you know, forty <laughs> years ago at school. <laughs> Undertaker, I think, came from the Greek, uh the Greek, uh, because that's where you know a lot of the Egyptian salts and then you know the the preservation's bodies were done over in Egypt years ago. Sure, but uh, undertaker's person to undertake the care of a of a dead deceit.
0: to undertake the care, not necessarily yeah. okay, uh, taking them into the underworld or something yeah. like that, but more just kind no. of uh, okay, <laughs> interesting. See so I, I guess as a total layman, the, t- the 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 title of Undertaker is is cool. Uh, so is that something that you could still um, apply to what you do? Oh yeah. and your job. Oh yeah,
2: you bet. Huh. You bet. It's still referred to. You know, we're still referred to as undertakers. All
0: right. So that's still use. I think I would definitely have that on my business card. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So then we're with A. H. Went. Uh, his sons Earl and Robert went. Uh, they took over the business no, when he, he, re- he had
2: Earl, no. His son was Earl Edward. Earl Edward, okay, and I and I still have ah Dipl- ah Wentz diploma from eighteen ninety one from the Oriental School of Embalming. Wow, yeah, I still have it downstairs on the wall, and uh, it was it was out in Boston. Massachusetts, too, out in Boston, and then it got uh, incorporated with another uh, embalming school out there, and I I can't remember the name of that one. So
0: why Oriental School? Were they no, were was that where some of the embalming practices were perfected and then brought that over yes. here? Okay. Yes. Exactly. Egypt, yes. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Yes. So that was seen as the expert level Asia, of...
2: over the Asia with the and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So he went to school, um, learned embalming. Derek, you're being pretty
1: quiet. Yeah. I'm letting Mike get through his spiel here. He's, uh, <laughs> he's quite the historian. So he's- uh,
2: all right. <laughs> All right. I, no,
1: I, I got. I got some stuff too. Trust me. I, I'm. I'm pretty interested in. Uh. And. In, uh, well. We'll get yeah. to. We'll get to. Yeah. we you in a minute then. All right. Up. I'll hush up. Yeah. Oh no.
0: Mike. Okay. So. um A H Went Sons uh, Earl Edward. And Robert, yeah, he had one right? Son. He had one son. No, he had one son, Earl Edward. Just Earl Edward. Okay, so he took yes. over in about the 20s, ran it until the end of World War II, right, in 45? Right. Okay. Did the end of World War II have anything to do with his retiring or just a coincidence in time frame? No,
2: my great-grandpa died at the age of uh, 50. 50. Okay. And then my grandfather died at 52. And I told my dad on his 50th birthday, I said, if you die here in the next year or so, I'm going to sell a business, worry about a job when I turn 50. <laughs> i starting to see a trend here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was good for a moment. <laughs> oh my gosh. So then your dad was, was his son and your dad's um, Earl went the third, right? Uh, y- yes. Or no, yes. I, I skipped one. I skipped Earl went the second, your grandpa. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, My grandpa's Earl second. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so Earl second. Um, then Earl Buck went, is your father? Yes. Yes.
2: And okay. he, he passed away about a year and a half ago. Oh, sorry. Right here. No, he, he's in a better spot. He's eight. He, he lived be almost 83 and outlived his father by 30 years. Wow. Wow.
0: So That's there fantastic. you have that. Yeah. There you go. Um, so then, okay, so while your father is running the business, that's when you got involved, right? And I think I read in the website that you started working at the funeral home in the 70s. Yep,
2: 77.
0: How old were you at that point? Not trying to age you, but just 16, curious when you got started. 16
2: years old. 16. You know, that was before all the answering services and call fourteen and everything else. And We had somebody living at the funeral home all the time. Wow. So I would be here every other night, every other weekend, catching the phones in the evenings and the, overnight. And I get up and go to school in the morning.
0: Is there a requirement or specific need for someone to be at work 24 hours a day in a funeral
2: home or it just happened that someone lived well, there? Not really anymore, you know. With the answering services, you know, call forwarding and things like that. But what happened was, we also ran ambulances here too for years. Okay. Okay. Then uh, when my two uncles got back from Vietnam, they sort of we they got out of the ambulance business in the early seventies. We were running three ambulances at that time. We had ambulance crews here, staying in the building, you know, twenty four seven, race going out of here. And then the city of Moline had to buy two more ambulances when we got out of business. Ah. Okay. I gotcha. mean, all the paramedics, you know, the EMT paramedics. Before it was just, you know, grab, you know, and wrap them up and run for the hospital.
0: Sure, sure. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, and then so in it the 70s, actually a lot, of, actually a lot of funeral homes did that. Really? Or the ambulance service too? I had years no ago. Idea. And is it just basically a base for the ambulances to operate out of, or I mean, is any any work being done in the home? Not really, because ambulances are doing all their work in the field.
2: Right, right. They just, you know, you know you're know, you out there, you're, you know, it's just your finger home was out there. They had the cars for the, you know, to put the, I guess, put the uh, bodies in, you know, sure. and just sort of started. And, uh, but yeah, we had uh, uh, three ambulances here at one time. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when
0: you were 16 and you started at your dad's business, what were you doing? Was it like the story of, oh, I started off sweeping floors and, and uh, move, work my way up from there. What did that look like when a 16 year old?
2: Uh, let's see. You know, it's a family-owned business, so you get into the same things all the way through, no matter how old you are. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, and something needs to be vacuumed, you grab the vacuum. But, uh, uh, you know, that was really it. You know, yeah, I was, you know, washing the cars, parking the lots, you know, doing doing the basic stuff around, okay. helping with removal, helping, you know, go get the bodies at the homes of the hospitals and bringing them back, and stuff like that. Okay. You know, okay. Help pick them up, put them on the cots, just what you did.
0: Gotcha. Um. How old were you when you saw your first dead body?
2: Well, I was living in the funeral home till I was, uh, five years old before my dad bought a house because his apartment where I'm sitting is actually was, was the formal, uh, this formal living room up here, but it's sort of a bedroom, I guess, with oh, a wow. uh, fireplace and stuff like that. Mantle and stuff over here on the other side. Okay. But, uh, uh I got sidetracked.
0: Oh, I was asking <laughs> how old you were for uh, your first dead. But it's a weird question, but I'm curious. Okay. So, so I have so to ask. Well,
2: so I'm living in the funeral home. You know, they brought me back from the hospital here, and we lived here till I was five or six years old before my parents moved out of the, of the apartment. So, I, you know, who knows? I was probably carried through the prep room when I was a baby, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so when you were born, sad. you were actually living there. That, that was kind of your, your
2: childhood home then. Yeah. For the first six years in the apartment up here. Oh, wow. yeah.
0: Do you ever remember having any. I mean for most kids, uh, they have they develop some sort of concept of death, very little connection to it, and then at some point they see their first body and it's seared into their memory as a as I don't know, either a traumatic or at least an outstanding um, moment in life. Most people remember it, but for you that probably that doesn't exist. Have you ever had those thoughts as a young kid about death as as that scary thing that I think most people do or like it was probably just well, so ingrained I think you know, we're
2: all, I think we're all scared of dying, but you know, there's a better place to wait for us. Sure.
0: Sure. Wow. So then, okay. So in the seventies working you know, at- as far
2: as, as, far as seeing a body, you know, I just grew up around it. It was just there, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, like anything else, I suppose if you, you know, we're in a steel shop, you'd walk by and the steel was just there, you know, here is just this.
0: It's just there. So, yeah. It's a part of daily life. Yeah. Th- that's yeah. really interesting. Cause I, I still remember the first, the first body that I saw it was a friend of mine. Um, in in a memorial service where where she was on display and she was really young, you may remember her, Derek. Uh, Angela was yeah, a good Angela. friend of ours when I was in my early twenties, and she died unexpectedly. I think of a brain aneurysm, just something totally okay. unexpected. Here's
2: what here's something you can do. Okay, for a twenty year old person like that, you'll never make them look right. Okay, mm. I mean, you can take a, an elderly person who's been in a like an elderly woman. She's been in a nursing home for the last fifteen years. Dress her up uh, have her hair done, put makeup on her. And she looks better than she's looked in, in, in a few years, but you'll never make a 20 a, a year old person look good. It's, it's, more, it's more, it's more mental just for the family to see him and have that final closure. But I'm just being honest with you. I mean, you just, I've never, yeah. you know what I mean? It, I, it's I just do, not natural for that 20 year old to be there. That's what stands
0: yeah. out the most to me about the memory is it just, it just didn't look like her. Uh, and, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. That one was really seared into my memory. So I was kind of curious. Yeah. Someone who kind of grew up around it. It just never really stood out because they've been there since before you were
2: remembering anything. Yeah. I just, you know, you, when I was able to walk through there, you walk through there, you know, yeah. it's part of the family business. <laughs> so that, they were just something we played in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because the beauty of like a young person is kind of, you, you, you know, you can't replicate that kind of like that. The youth look like, uh, it just, uh, no,
2: I mean, no, it just, the young person doesn't you know, look natural, and uh, like I yeah. said, you take that elderly woman that, that's been in nursing homes, never had hasn't had her hair done in fifteen years, fix her all up, get makeup on her lipstick, and make her look you know really nice for the family. Mm-hmm. But young people, it's very very hard. I mean, you can make them look semi good, but sure. it all depends on the cause of death and how long the body's been there and other other factors. Sure, sure. Are you
1: are you there? Like when the um, I mean, this is probably a, a dumb question, but do you get to see the families, see the body and, um, and you know that based on the reaction that they have when they, when they look at the body, is that kind of a, oh yeah. I mean, really after 40
2: years after 40 years, you got an idea of, you know, you know, the percentage, you know, the percentage isn't there, you know, to have a young person look good, you know, yeah. You can sure. hit one once in a while, but you're just not there. yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now. So in the 70s, you're a teenager working in the family business. In the 80s, looks like you got serious about it and you became a licensed funeral home director.
2: Well, yeah. You know, I was uh, I was separating raw sewage from runoff water over the West End of of Davenport, working for a construction crew, and ah. and my dad said, "Hey, I'll pay for your college if you, you know, go to a local college and the your school." So, that sounded like a pretty good idea, you know. You have to, you know, like any family businesses or work for a family, you have to go find your own wings. And I was finding my own wings, and I said, "Well, this isn't what I want to do." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was I was curious about that too
0: because n- not just your own personal decision of, yeah, I'm going to join my family business. My dad works here; he owns it. I can easily just move right into here. Do I want to go off and be independent? Do I want to find my own way but there's this whole other element of five preceding generations and over a century of history at the family business right. that you were considering joining that's that's way beyond what most people think of as joining the family business um yours is an exceptional exceptional situation so i imagine that's just compounded pressure to to follow that path or no
2: no nah, no nah, not really you know it was you know me and my myself and my father we had we had a pretty good deal going for For years, you know, around here, he would take off and go to Florida for the winters. He had a place in Florida. And before he left, I'd take off two and a half months and uh, stay down in Iowa. And I guided hunting and ran around southeast Iowa with a bunch of buddies, pheasant hunting and hunting and fishing. And then uh, I'd come back to work and he would go back to Florida. So it was pretty, but, you know, but he got paid when he went to Florida. I didn't get paid when I was running around. (laughs) Well, there's a difference there. Still sounds (laughs) pretty nice, though. I was working for family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Uh-oh. So do you have anybody that's set up to uh, take over the business like like you did? Not, or
2: Not yet, but I I never had any children that I know of. And uh, the, what do you... <laughs> but anyways, I've talked to my cousins and my cousin's kids, and we had them all together Christmas or Thanksgiving. I was asking them, and, and I've tried to get a couple of them. They live a couple hours away here in Illinois. They might be more apt to come up and do it than the ones out of Texas and stuff like that. You know, down by Austin, and uh, you know it's quite a culture shock for them to come up here to the Midwest. Not only
1: weather-wise, but uh, you know, culture's a little different between here and Austin. Sure, yeah, well, and and yeah. uh, they got to be a mortician now, whereas probably before they were, uh, who knows, maybe a carpenter or something
2: um oh no they're just young yet i mean i'm i'm, I'm talking with 17 18 year old you know these nephews the ones that are in high school going to college
1: and yeah stuff like that
2: yeah
0: now you went to school you went to a the warsham school of mortuary um yes i did I, mean, I had no idea that even existed i'm not surprised because every uh specific path of 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 uh study exists but what was that like? What's, what's included? I mean, I, I guess I can jump on some of the obvious things included, but, um, mortuary school is, is a new one to me.
2: Yeah. Uh, mortuary has been around forever. My, my great grandfather went there, my grandfather, you know, there's four, I think four generations of us have been to, wow. you know, not kind of all my uncles, you know, my great uncles, you know, but, you sure. know, uh, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, we've all been through Warsham's up in Chicago.
0: Okay, they asked where it is. Okay, so Chicago. Yeah,
2: this is Chicago. Yeah, it's about three hours from here. So
0: what 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 are what are the main points of curriculum? Embalming? Uh yes. Oh yes, funeral it,
2: directing, embalming. Okay. You know, just like any other but sociology, psychology, uh, accounting, chemistry, biology, anatomy, microbiology, you know, sure. just you know, the classes. Wow. How
1: many years is that and is that? Okay. It, de- okay, it depends on where
2: how you do it. Okay, like if I went to Southern Illinois University, it's a three-year program and a year's apprenticeship. Okay, what I did was I went to our local college for a year here, and then I went to Chicago. It's more like a trade school. We went to school from 8 in the morning till one thirty in the afternoon, five days a week. And then it's 12 months long. Wow.
1: Well, That's not bad. Yeah. I got done
2: in two years. are my year's of apprenticeship, so I knocked a year off. Of it. Yeah.
1: And and there's no shortage of a need of morticians, right? Is that an accurate statement? I mean, I I can imagine that they're always in demand. Is that?
2: Yes. Yes. They're always in demand, you know, and, you know, it's just what it is. It's uh, a lot of it was family business. That's how a lot of people get into it is from the family. Sure. You know, but uh, there are other people out there who want to be funeral directors. And, you know, it's changed, it's changed, you know, the years through the years. What are some of the big changes that stick out in your mind when you say that? Well, first of all, you know, at the you know, like the obvious going from the, you know, embalmings, you know, like around right here burial was like about 98, 97% when in the 70s. Now we're up about 60% cremation. So, wow. you know, that that's that's changed the ball game a lot. That's a and, you know
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh wow. The other is people. Our society's so mobile nowadays. Hmm. I mean, you know, this person's here and this person's there and uh it's just it takes a little bit more to get everybody together. Sure. You know, society being so mobile yeah. and, uh, and just people. And, you know, when I, when I was growing up, the visitation it was three to five, seven to nine. You want to the funeral at 10 or 1030 10 the next morning. That's, you know, it was very regiment back then. Right. And now it's, now it's all over the board, you know, and, and everybody used to get dressed up. You see everybody coming in all dressed up, you know, visitations or funerals. And now it's like, Really? You couldn't even put on some jeans that holes in them. <laughs> right.
0: Right. You show up that way. So, you, even like flying is a is a good illustration of that change in society where people used to fly and they would they would dress well for flying, you know?
2: Uh, oh, it was a luxury. It was years ago it was a luxury to be able to fly yeah, someplace.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I mean back in the fifties and sixties, most people would be wearing a suit and tie. Uh and then at least it was dressed well, and now you're lucky if everyone in the flight has their shoes on. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, really kind of a, a sad picture of, of, uh, social change. But yeah, I guess in, 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 in at funeral events or memorial events or anything sur- sur- surrounding the memory of someone, you think there should certainly be a degree of, of reverence and respect there, um, to at least, you know, comb your hair. So I, I imagine for how long as you've been or in you the business, take a bath? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> or just put your cell phone down for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well,
1: do, do people,
2: people oh, that. Yeah, that's another. That's a whole other topic. The cell phones too. Yeah, you know, that just brought into the funeral services going off, the phones going off. And yeah, you're like, really? People, come on, come
1: on. <laughs> people don't request like a um, a virtual uh, service, do they? I mean, but oh, I yes, can, that they that, do.
2: Oh yes, oh yes, and we do. We we zoom our ours. You know, just keep a little more private, throwing it out there. But, yeah. yes, you know, they're, they're asked to uh, do that now because the big thing was COVID. So all the funeral yeah. homes, you sure. know, our ma- vast majority went to the cameras so we could Zoom, you know, so people could, you know, be wherever not travel and right. uh, still see the services. Do
0: you find that some of that will, will remain in your um, options and offerings where maybe they everyone's still comfortable being there in the funeral home, but now they could make it available on Zoom, maybe an added package, and family from oh, anywhere in the world could yeah, chime in?
2: Yeah we, yeah, we offer it yeah. to every family. You know, Do you want us to Zoom it or not? That's pretty cool. So Yeah, I yeah. think that's happening at a lot of weddings to- and, and
0: all sorts of stuff now is everyone's so comfortable with these these video conferencing programs that um, now it makes things like that extra easy. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, so I want to get into f- a few of the, the the details of certain parts of the process. But before I jump into that, I, uh, I want to do a segment I call, um, here's a bunch of stupid questions would you mind? No.
2: <laughs> so no. I, I, I literally, Shoot, I've, I've had, I've had a lot of questions <laughs> thrown at me in the last 40 years. <laughs> so
0: I was, I was kind of categorizing my questions so I could try to have some sort of cohesion to it. And, and one of the categories was so random. I'm like, this one's just called stupid questions. I, I'm just going to get some of these out of the way. Um, first one I have is, uh, has a body ever come into the funeral home where they're not actually dead yet, like sleeping or unconscious or coma or anything? Has that ever happened? Not in our place. Okay. All right. Stupid question, but I had to ask.
2: But, you know, I've heard, you know, you heard of it where the purse was cold or something like that. You know, they still had a little heartbeat. You know, they made it to the morgue or something like that. But no, I've never, no, we've never had one.
0: Okay. Um, uh, rigor mortis. Uh, I know it's a real thing, but can you tell us about it? Um, you mentioned, you know, someone has asked you like, Hey, is it like ever sat up on you or anything like that? And, and, uh, how, how does that work? Has that ever happened?
2: Well, th- no, but the, rig- the rigor mortis sets in, you know, depending on the condition of the body. You know, everybody's condition is a little bit different. You okay. might have somebody that's been on a bunch of drugs. And, I mean, not drugs, but like pharmaceutical drugs from their doctor prescriptions and, you know, been stayed alive. Their body's deteriorated, but they stayed alive. So it really depends on how soon it comes in and how soon it goes out. But it does uh-huh. leave the body.
0: Oh, yeah. interesting. So, if you are in bad shape for a long time and your body is more deteriorated when you pass, then something like rigor mortis would not set in versus. Well, no, it does set in, but,
2: you know, it just, you know, it's just everybody's different, you know. So, you can't say, okay, it sits in in 30 minutes. Okay. Oh. It might be a little bit longer, one body it might be shorter than the other body or something like that, just because of conditions of bodies. But rigor mortis does set in. And, you know, you can pretty well get rigor mortis out. I mean, it's just a stiffening of the muscles. You know, it's just like having a cramp straighten out your arm or something like that, I suppose. Okay. But, uh, yeah, the rigor mortis, you can pretty well straighten around. But uh, then after a while, it does leave the body, too. Okay. Okay. How
1: would you describe that? Would that be like the body kind of realizing it's dead? I mean, well, I guess there's obviously no life in it. But do you think the muscles are kind of like, wait a minute, I, I'm i dying? Or or no, is it no, just no, physical? no. It, yeah.
2: It's just a physical reaction in your body after death.
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, This one was, oh, the six feet under rule. Is that a myth? Is that a real rule? When you bury a body, does it have to be six feet? Is it like a law or is that just a best practice? Is there anything to it?
2: <laughs> it's a myth. I've seen them buried every which way. Okay. From way you go, wow, that guy's way down there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and somebody going, wow, there's only six inches of dirt over the top of the vault. Oh. You know that see that brings up a whole whole different thing when you say six feet. Well, years ago they just buried that wood casket right into the ground. You know, then you go out to the cemeteries when you were kids and you see that the graves would be sunken in and stuff like that. They'd have to fill them all the time, right. so they started requiring vaults, and the, and then so it's a cement container. Now the casket goes. in.
0: Oh, but I've seen at those. Our national, piled at, up. But at
2: our national see at our national cemeteries, uh, they bury on top of one another, so they will bury. You know, whoever passes away first, either the husband or the spouse, they bury them down deep. Then they bury on top of them to save room at the national cemeteries. They've oh.
0: been doing that for
1: years. Okay, Never knew that. Yeah,
2: Huh.
0: Well, there's a whole new incentive to, uh, to go second is you get to get the top bunk for eternity. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Yeah, mom's I, on top of dad. Right. <laughs> uh, and I really don't mean to make light of, of anything. I hope, um, anyone who's listening who gets angry at at lightheartedness is um, I'm sorry. I I certainly don't want to offend or make light of, of death at all. Uh, I'm just interested in it. And I think we have the benefit of discussing this with you, boo at a moment. You know,
2: and everybody grieves. I see people grieving in different ways too. Sure. You know, I see people that, you know, they are heartstruck. And I mean, it's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's their, their love of their life died. And then, you know, then I, you know, see people that, you know, they try to be, you know, uh, you know, they're a little more, look at life a little differently. Sure. You know, mom was 95 years old. She'd been living on her own till she was 94 and a half. She's only been sick for two months. You know what I mean? Right. Stuff like that. It was a blessing. She had a good life. You know, you know, they're happy the way mom went. So, you know, it can vary around. On how sure. People react. Sure.
0: And I think we have the benefit of having these conversations and asking these questions at a moment where we're not, where none of us are experiencing loss, um, where most people that come right, to your business. It's a little
2: easier to talk and joke.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so I just want to say that I'm not really heartless. I'm just, um, uh, kind of, I've got a lot of questions, so I really appreciate you spending time to, to cool. answer these for us and, and you live in this world. So for you, it's just, it's just everyday business, right? I mean, you're, you're answering these questions for people every just, day. Just another day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, nuts. Oh, Derek, do you have any stupid questions you want to get out of the way?
1: Well, not a stupid question, but like that, that's probably the biggest thing that I'm interested in is like how that affects how it affects you Boo, to like, because I can't imagine like seeing the people grieving all the time. And, and, uh, I try to picture like how that might affect my life, which is just an effort and futility. But like, does that, do you think it prepares you more for death that you like live around death? And like, do you like, uh, live every day a little bit more like, I'm gonna
2: well, you got, you got to, you got to live every day. Like it's your last, I yeah. mean, you know, that's why I'm going home now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to be here on my last day. I'm going to do something fun. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> Uh, but it, yes, you know, I, I've always been the type to to live my life full. you know, you better have a good time while you're here, you better do whatever you want to do. Don't say you're going to do it later. You better do it now. And, uh, and, uh, you know, you just know life's short and there's no guarantees in life. Life's unfair. So,
1: yeah. Do you, do you think you have an advantage over people being in the business that you're in? Because like, I notice that too. And I try to notice that myself, like every day I'm like, this is not guaranteed. There's nothing guaranteed. Literally. I, like I had a friend recently who I didn't even know was sick. He had leukemia. I found out yesterday that he died and it was just so shocking to me. You know, of course he leaves by his wife and, uh, two kids. And I'm just like, I devastated. I mean, not devastated, but I just can't, I, you know, you got to reflect that on yourself. And I'm like, man, that just kind of changes me a little bit. Not, no, sorry not about,
2: a, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry about your loss there for your friend, friends are tough
1: to lose. We don't yeah. have that many in this world. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. He, he was somebody that I worked with and, uh, we, we definitely had a connection um, he was just a very funny guy. Um, we kind of grew a little bit distant over time, but, um, yeah, he had leukemia and then I guess he had a heart transplant and, uh, uh, he ended up passing, wow. but, um, I mean, just how that affects the family and the kids. I just, I, I can't imagine. And, uh, you know, you see that often and do, would you say that, does it make, is it depressing or is it like, you know, I mean, it's just life. Like I, I, I understand that and it's you know um it was their time which we can't deny that either um yeah. how, how does it make you feel like when you, you see you
2: know i i stand alongside my some of my good friends bearing their their parents you know i mean who i've known since i was a little kid you know mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. but you know it, you know it's hard but uh you just gotta hope you know pray they're all in a better spot and, and uh it just you know after being around it i guess you know I accept death. I accept death a little bit better than some people do. Sure. You yeah. Know? Like, perfect. you know, my father's, my grandfathers, you know, being at their funerals and stuff like that. And, you know, we're, we're sort of a little different, you right. know, cause at funerals, we're, even though it's our family, you know, my father, I'm still halfway directing telling people what to do, meeting people, you know, and uh, you know, setting up the flowers and getting things ready. It's just what you did. Sure. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think, uh, what limited exposure I've had to losing people close to me where I had to be involved in some of the, you know, the, the, the tasks that um, are left when someone close to you passes is it's so hard to focus on things like flower choices or arrangements that are just like, I don't know, I just lost someone I care about. I don't want to talk about these options and that sort of thing. Whereas for you, it's a little more second nature. You've got so much experience with it where that's
2: a tough thing for a lot of people. Well, you, you have to know, you know, I've been doing it so long, you have to know sort of people's uh, maximums, what they can absorb in a, a meeting and a time and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And, and give them their time, you know, because some people want to speed it up. Some people need to slow down. And you can tell after meeting with them, you know, which which direction you need to go with the families. Interesting. I never thought about that, but
0: that makes perfect sense, is kind of assessing the condition or the type of person that you're working with. Everyone's different. They've all experienced a loss, but everyone experiences or handles loss in different ways. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I
2: deal with all kinds of different personalities.
0: Yeah, where you can kind of tell, like, we just need to do everything for this, this family. We're, let us take care of everything. And they're like, yeah, fine, we don't want to do anything.
2: Yeah. Then other families, it's, no, I want this. They, they know what they want. Or okay. I would go see this person. I have a friend here, you know, and this and that. So whatever you want to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Have you ever yeah, had
0: sure. a really outrageous request that you just had to deny? Either like, we can't do that or we won't do that for any reason, something, a some family, or even someone's choice for themselves before they died and then they died. Like, was have there been a choice where you just, you had to deny it, couldn't do it for whatever reason?
2: i'm trying to think if i've ever denied anything oh yeah, oh. <laughs> an, yeah. An, an obituary you know you know they want to you know sometimes you gotta say no we can't say that oh <laughs> In the paper like you know because oh. <laughs> you yeah, suddenly jerked to jesus while drinking beer with his buddies you know <laughs> you just can't say that <laughs> we're gonna strike that line <laughs> oh <laughs> Uh, i mean that's what people say to us yeah i mean the people have they want all kinds of different things and sometimes you just gotta say no he can't say stuff like that but we have a lot of unusual requests and i you know i really and unusual things happen but i feel like you know don't go to discuss too many of those because my families if they heard this they know who i was talking about sure but they you know you, you try to make them reasonable that you know even if it's a really wild Request, you try to make it work for him in some way, you know, or something like that. okay or, You know, you would say, Oh, we can't quite do it like that, but we could do it like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know? I guess you kinda gotta go, Well, that's that's a great idea. Maybe maybe here's something we could do. Yeah. Right. Uh and then in your mind right. you're thinking, Wow, that's out there. Oh yes, I have quite a few of those. I can imagine. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I want to ask you about, I don't know anything about it. And I'm afraid to ask, which makes me want to ask you more is about the process of embalming. Um, you've been around it a long time. You went to school for it. How does embalming work? Do you do it? Who does it? Where does it happen? How long after death? Like, how does this work?
2: Okay. That, that brings in a question. Like you said, the young girl didn't look good. Okay. Okay. If you can get to somebody, embalm somebody right away. OK, I mean, like in an hour or two, what you're doing is basically you're, you're taking the fluids, the, the, the blood out and place it with the embalming fluid. You're pumping in, you're pumping. Basically, you can read about it. all you're doing is raising an artery and a vein. You're pumping the using the machine. You're pumping embalming fluids into the artery and you're draining the blood out of the vein. OK, that's really that's what you're doing. OK. okay. And uh, the sooner you can get to somebody and the quicker, the better the person looks. OK, if they sit in a morgue. For a day, day and a half, at some large city or something like that, the blood coagulates, and it's harder to get the blood out. That's why you'll see the swelling in the necks, and and people are puffed up and stuff like that. Is because they weren't able to get the, the the blood out of there. Oh,
0: so as soon as a person dies, does blood go bad? Why, why does why does it go bad well, it just, as soon it, as they die? It
2: just well, you I mean, let's be real. We're animals. Sure. The animals. We're no better than the the raccoon alongside the road. I mean, you start decomposing right away and your blood coagulates and starts, you know, clotting up and stuff like that. And, uh, the, the better the person's, uh, uh, vascular system is the better they look and the easier the embalming. So in other words, somebody that's on, uh, blood thinners, they, they embalm better than bodies that are not. Ah, interesting. Okay. Is there
1: a situation you where you would get a hold of somebody within an hour of them passing so that you could embalm? I'm trying to, I'm oh yeah. To, See,
2: yeah. Yeah, yes, there is. See, we're we're in a you know smaller community. There's what in this area three quarters of a million people or so here, and. Uh, you know, we get called right to the homes right after somebody passes away. We get you know the hospice desk. We're at the homes probably within an hour or so. The hospitals they call. We can be at the hospital an hour, you know, within an hour. It's time to death. That's not a problem a lot of times. But you know, when you get into your major cities where the bodies go to the morgues and they they don't get released till the doctor signs and all that stuff, and that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Uh, less red tape in your area. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I do. I do. I do majority of the embalming here at the funeral home, but uh, I do have. A couple of the gentlemen that help too. Is oh, so you you are the embalm mostly yes. the main embalmer? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Is
0: embalming fluid formaldehyde? It's a glutaraldehyde. So similar but it's different. A little bit, little
2: chemical different. Little chemical different. A little bit softer.
0: Okay. Has the process or. uh fluid choice or equipment or just the whole process of embalming changed? I imagine it's, yes, changed over the years. And like how?
2: Yes, the, yeah, the, the fluids have changed uh, a little bit, you know, and, you know, with the improvement of medicine and science and everything else. You know, you're Sorry. always going to have improvements and stuff like that. But now, now they're combating, uh, fluids have to combat all the drugs that people are on, all the pharmaceutical drugs that people are on. Oh. And uh, I think it's meth, is that right? Meth or whatever it is
1: there are some of the other, uh, drugs, you know, like that affects them too. Oh, oh, oh I've okay. got to ask this too. Um, so I recently read somewhere that fentanyl is like one of the leading causes of death now, um, over every, are, have you seen that happen or do you, do you know the cause of death? Actually, that's, that's even another question. Um, but, is well, true? when you, when you walk in a
2: house and they have white powder all over their
1: face and then their hand and they're laying over backwards it's usually a good
2: start of it yeah that's oh, yeah. that's usually a, a big red flag there but yeah. uh yes we're seeing it we're seeing it here in the Midwest I mean uh I was on we rotate corners calls where we're at every month and I think we picked up three maybe
1: three last month three or four from fentanyl last month wow oh and that that represents a big increase uh, for it's, drug overdoses, for
2: you? Yes, yes. And, you know, and it's all ranges too. It doesn't matter if they're twenty three or four, you know, or fifty five. You're seeing all all ages being affected, you know, and races and stuff like that. Yeah, that,
1: that's like a carry on. I think from the opioid uh, thing, like it, it's a um, synthetic. Opioid, I know opioids yeah. were. Is that what it is? Yeah, yes. it's
0: synthetic opioid, and it's like ten times more
2: powerful than morphine. But, Yeah. Somebody said like a grain of salt of the stuff will kill you. Yeah.
1: Why why does this even exist? Is there a need for that? Was working not strong enough, you know? Well, I mean, I think they tightened down the pharmaceutical industry a little bit because the pharmaceutical industry was, um, just giving out opioids, like crazy, right? It was just like, here's opioids. There's, and then, I mean, still are in retrospect, it's just so dumb because they're so addictive And we all know that they're addictive, but they're handing them out like candy. And then they started to tighten down the reins a little bit. And I think that caused those people that were addicted to that to move on to heroin. And then when you can't get heroin, then it seems like fentanyl is the next solution. Whatever they can
0: get. And then, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I've seen quite a few of my friends, young guys who, you know, have a hurt back, go to the doctor. uh, Doctor recommends opioids. They get addicted to them. And then the doctor says, "Okay, you're not getting any more. They get cut off, and they're they're addicted. So they go. they go, get it then wherever they go they to
1: can, the streets. Yeah, yeah. Wherever Where they, they go, need to go, They you go to the streets. Yep. Yeah, yeah. My my sister-in-law's mother uh, passed away about a month ago from um, fentanyl. I, and really? Yeah. She, you know, um, I'm not going to mention names, of course, but she like she was a drug addict all of her life, really. And she she actually. Before she fully passed, uh the night before she was like in a bowling alley and she was overdosed. And then the cops came in and like gave her some injection, got her to come back to life, and then she just did it again the next day. Wow. So whatever yeah. is going around right now is just uh yeah. it's just nasty. You know. What is the, what what is that pen they hit him with? The uh
2: the Epi pen? The, the, the yeah, EpiPen. Yeah. I I have a friend that Narcon or whatever. A friend of mine up in Chicago, Northwest suburb, he even had classes and had that stuff. So, you know, it, it, it was so bad up in his area where he had had him come in and gave classes uh, for that EpiPen or whatever it is, wow. that Narcon pen or whatever it is to uh, to bring him back, you know, the injection, bring him back. He even had classes and stuff like that at his funeral home wow. to say, save people. Wow.
0: How does the process of well, okay, so maybe it's different for different places, but if 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 a person dies in their home, then the family finds them dead and calls the police, or that's what I would, that's who I would call, and then the then the morgue gets involved, right? They send a car to come pick up the person at the home. What's the process look every, like? Of,
2: every state is a little different. Oh. I mean, every city, every community. Really? You know, I you know I don't know what it is where you you guys live. You know, but how it works know, I'll just, I'll just say how it works here. That's all I can tell you is how it works here. Okay. We live right on the Illinois-Iowa border, right on the Mississippi River. So it takes us a couple minutes from here. I can be in Iowa in five minutes or I'm in Illinois. Okay. okay? so we're always dealing with border laws, too. But how it works here is somebody, Pat, like you walk in the house, you know, somebody's laying there dead on the floor, you call the police, so, and then the coroner comes, and then if there's nobody at the house to tell them what funeral home to take them from, we're on rotation. Every month, every month there'll be somebody here, you know, the coroner will say, hey, come, I need you to come get this body. We don't know where it's to go, so we'll bring it back to our funeral homes, hold them until the coroner tells us, you know, either they go to this other funeral home or you get to keep them or whatever, okay? And is there a time limit where of, that decision
0: needs to be made? Like, hey, you'll hear within 72 hours, otherwise do yeah, usually, Yeah, usually,
2: you know, usually by the time they get a hold of the family, usually within a day, okay. you know, because, you know, they just haven't got a hold of the family yet or Let's back up instead of the home. Let's say a person got hit on a motorcycle. He's laying right on the street. Okay. They need to get that body off the street. So that's why we're on call. So we can come out there, gotcha. get him. Now, now you know where we're going with this. And then we can uh, take the body back to the funeral home. Then they can sort it out. You know, They just need somebody to be there right away. So we're all oh. on call. We all take our turn a month. Okay.
0: So then a body and then, either found at so, home
2: or on the street comes straight to your funeral home. There's no morgue. Right. I, I don't, okay. No. Not, not where we're at. And, and, you know, Chicago's different. They go to the morgue. I, you know, I don't know how, who picks them up in Chicago, but, uh, over in Iowa, like in Iowa, the county, uh, Scott County is where Danport Iowa's at. They have medical examiner system over there and they have a contracted gentleman and he picks them up for the county. And then he takes them back to, uh, one or two funeral homes who have large coolers and they take them back and put them in those coolers until gotcha. things gets, until things get straightened out.
0: So a body in in any condition, um, in some states, go to a morgue or one of these facilities with big coolers, or in some states like like Illinois, goes straight to a funeral home. So in your state,
2: right, right. You're, but, you're getting bodies you know, in all so,
0: kinds of condition.
2: Right, but okay, let me back up here. So like somebody passed away at home, you know, they'd fill up a heart attack at sure. home. Here's what we would do, you know, you you'd call the police. The police would get there. They'd ask you, you know, the coroner would get there. Then the the coroner would be there too. Please, so they'd to ask you what funeral home you'd like to use. So you say, of course, you'd say Went Funeral Home. <laughs> of course, <laughs> and then uh, uh, we would come. They, yeah, of course. And then they would call our funeral home, and, and then we would come out to the, the house, pick up the person, and bring it back to our funeral. Okay, and then with hospice care, like a lot, a lot of times, you know, people are in hospice now. And they're in, in their homes, in the beds at home. Okay, and you know, the hospice nurse comes and sees them every day or whatever. The person passed away. The family knows passed away. You call the hospice nurse. She comes out, pronounces out, that the person's passed away. Then they call us. So we come out to the house. The corner's not even involved The hospice nurse does let the coroner know that the death has occurred, but he doesn't need to come out to the house because they've already been registered in the programs and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And then as far as the hospital, if the death occurs in the hospital, we just, the hospital calls us. We just go over and get them from the hospital and bring it back to the funeral home. So then, in some states,
0: like I think in California, bodies go to a morgue. I'm not sure about that. So the morgue is kind of like a processing
2: facility, right? Uh, right. That could a be a term. county. That that, that much very much so could be a county morgue, okay. just like uh, you know, up at uh, Chicago. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's a okay. large city, and so each each community, I'd have to talk. You almost have to talk with the guys in the communities to say, okay, do you go to the morgue or what do you do? So then, a, 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 what's, body a com- what's
1: the point of the morgue? And is the point of the morgue just like, is it like a, a holding it's, place?
2: Yeah, yeah it's a center area to take the bodies, do the autopsies, make sure there's no foul play, uh-huh. those type of things before they're released. Uh, make sure they're going to the right funeral homes, the right people, things like that. Well, that brings it's, up an
0: interesting point, like assessing cause of death or the situation, because if, if a body is found in the street or, or you know, in uh, just in the field um, and then it comes straight to your funeral home. Is it ever like, oh, you know, this guy uh, jumped off a bridge and then you find that there's a, a knife wound in the back? I, I mean, you're kind of at that point assessing cause
2: of death in a way or no? No, the corner, the corner will usually by that time, they, the police have been involved, the pictures have been taken and things like that. But okay. every once in a while, I've never had one slip through on me, but my dad had one when they're running ambulances and stuff like that, had one got slipped by the corner was... Uh, this guy, he had a full beard on and stuff like that. And, and uh, his little old wife got him all cleaned up and stuff. And she shot him right up under the, and under his beard, under his throat there with a 22. And then she oh. cleaned up all the blood and everything else. And then called. Oh, and everybody thought he just died there in his chair. Oh man. Oh my. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was many years ago. You know, my sure. father was still younger. So, you know, and then he had to call the quarterback and say, Hey, uh, you missed something. You missed something. Wow. <laughs> Wow.
1: What, what, what kind of percentage of foul play would you say happens? Uh oh, very very minimal, very small. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You um, know, the big thing now is is the drugs. I mean, the fentanyl. Uh, oh, really? Because then then they're after the suppliers. Hmm. The police are after the suppliers. Oh, oh okay. Oh. Uh yeah.
0: wow. Okay. So, Interesting. So how, how
1: is how is business right now? That's another thing. Like are you know, you you've been in this for quite some time. Like, is business increasing? Is it decreasing? I mean, I guess as population increases, you're going to see a little bit more. but Exactly. You know, every year we get about 20,000 more
2: deaths in the U.S. Every year we jump about 20,000. And, uh, you know, naturally there's always going to be increase because increase the population and you know it's it's hard you just go out and pop up a funeral home on the street corner and say hey here i am i am open for business when you know a lot of places have been established and they have relationships with families for generations, sometimes sure
0: sure yeah. did you notice any kind of a change or an increase in business through the pandemic
2: not really when it came right down to it you know it uh I'll, I'll sort of leave that alone. Jim. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, first. yeah. I, I, I could go there too, but I feel like uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm on but, a part with that. Doesn't seem like. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the numbers even verify that too. There's not really much of a. An yeah, we
2: well, because every year, if you look, you just look. What What I do is, I'm a numbers guy. You just look at the the deaths in the United States at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and that's what you, you know. Because I don't in this business, I've been around every type of disease that's come out of the back door of a hospital. Okay, spinal meningitis, hepatitis, AIDS, staph, influenza, uh, COVID. I've, you know, I've been around it all. Okay, and uh, you just—it's the numbers at the end of the year, and every year we increase about twenty thousand. Uh, and I think the year COVID, we jumped 57,000. So that's about what, you know, so we had a few extra deaths in the U- U.S. is what we had. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. spread out nationwide. That's incrementally uh, not a giant spike a, in yeah. numbers, yeah. It,
2: exactly. When it comes down, you know, I, I calculated it out one time and it came down to about 0. 0.7 extra deaths in our county per month. Gotcha, okay. I mean, if you just divide the numbers, that's all I did. I just divide numbers. I don't care what you died of, you know. It doesn't matter to me if it was cancer, COVID you know, whatever, murder, you know, whatever, just, just the number. Yeah. The numbers are the numbers. Yeah. that's
0: So to to kind of wrap up our understanding of embalming and the process, um, I did not know that bodies would come straight from being found dead out on the street or wherever, come straight to your funeral home. So I imagine uh, cleaning is one, like, what's the process look like? So cleaning a body up is, is probably first and foremost, and then you get into embalming.
2: Right. 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 Okay. Exactly. In
0: in embalming removal of organs, does, does donor or non-donor status change what that process looks
2: like? Oh, sure. Sure. It does. I mean, you know, if you, know, if your eye they did eye nucleation, you know, your, your eyes might always look a little different when you go to show somebody because, you know, you, you know, you try to fix up with the taking the eyes out and, uh, you know, they they take the long bones and skin. It just depends on what what they take. You know, every right. every situation's you know unique to itself. And donor items are
0: um, taken before they come to your home.
2: Yes, yes. Okay, yes. all right. So that's done at the well, coroner. Well, don't don't well, usually donors. there's there, there's there's donation centers. What they do is the hospital get a hold of. There's like the Iowa Donor Network that's really big around here, Gift of Hope, and the hospitals contact them before they even release the body to us to see if there's a possibility of any type of donation. Gotcha. So all this just increases
0: the timeline between death and embalming, right? Right. Right. Oh
2: yeah.
0: I
1: thought that uh, donations or like organ donations, don't they have to still be alive? Like they still have to have a heartbeat to to pull that out and just brain dead or,
2: uh, you know, some yes. And some no, well, see organs. Yes. You know, particular organs, but when you start donating bone marrow, yeah. Okay. Skin for burn victims, eyes, you know, those things no, you don't have to. Okay. Oh, okay.
0: Eyes. I didn't know eyes were a donor, uh thing. Oh, eyes
2: the eye corneas, that's really big. Really?
0: The, oh so the, not the, the whole eyeball, the just the cornea?
2: Well, they take the eye out, you know, they n- sure. circulate the eye, you know, they take the eye out just uh Because they take then they put it on ice and take it, you know, to help people see, help the blind see. So it's a good thing.
0: I feel like a bad person because I I I don't I'm not a donor, and I should be, and and I don't really have good reasons for not being a donor. Are you a donor, Derek? No, I'm not. I'm not. And
2: are you okay being involved in what you do? Are you a donor? (laughs) I'm I'm not a donor, and you need to study who makes the money off those donated parts. That's right.
1: That's right. You know, I, I didn't want it. I wasn't going to get into it, but I have heard that too. Like there, there are reasons maybe that you may want to consider that or not, you know. And uh, right, right, it's a pers-
2: it. it's a personal choice, like anything in this sure. should be in your life. And
0: yeah. that and that sure is a shitty element of the decision-making process because I want to help. I think most good people would want to help, and then there comes this added uh, uncontrollable factor of um, corruption. Or foul play, and then that would deter most people, obviously, three out of three in this case, um, from, from you know, doing what we would probably – we'd all probably want to help people. Uh, that's, right. no. that's That's too bad. I wish there was something is to that, do
1: about that. Is that your decision too, Mike, out of uh, – you, you're worried about corruption? And I haven't that's why applied
0: enough thought to it to really come to a good conclusion. So yeah, my thought is always study on
1: Do a
2: little studying on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't really – have.
0: I haven't put time into it, so I thought, like, "Ah, I don't know, a little bit's weird, so I'll just mark no this year, and I'll think about it next year, and then maybe I'll do it, and it's been that
1: every year. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, I won't go too deep into it, but I've I've heard of some nefarious things, and maybe Mm. not so much in this country, and I imagine that they probably are that we just don't know about, Um, but, uh, yeah, I have, have, based on just that, like, I have no desire to... um, be sitting on a bed and have a doctor potentially make a decision like, oh, well, we could save him, but, uh, you know, those uh, lungs look pretty healthy. Well, Might or wanna, some rich uh, and
0: powerful CEO really needs a heart. And uh... yeah, he needs a new heart. He yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> not a
2: lung. He just needs a heart. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. right. So grave robbing used to be a thing in the old days, and your family business has certainly been around in the old days. Any, yep. any, uh, you know, anything in connection to that? I mean, uh, uh, buying b- bodies on the black market was like a real thing um, back in the early days of science where you were not really, I don't know what timelines were attached to it, but you weren't really allowed to perform um, medical autopsies or, or medical dissections or things for, for educational purposes, right?
2: I don't know about years ago, but I, I can, you know, I can tell you what's happened. I saw seen the change around here back in the seventies, you know, cause I, w- I was in the prep room when I was 15, 14 years old, you know, yeah. with the guys and stuff like that while just walking through or something like that, talking to them while they're there working. And, and, uh, a lot of the bodies were autopsied back then in okay. the seventies and eighties, because it was where they were gathering all the data that they have nowadays. Sure. You know, so we don't see near the autopsy bodies that we did back then. Really interesting. Okay, so is there only an
0: autopsy performed on a body if there's reason to believe that? Like most you know, generally, yeah. Most
2: generally now is only if there's a suspicious cause of death.
0: And does that happen before the body comes to your home? Typically,
2: uh, it depends. A lot of times we'll pick them up, in the, you know, for the corner because we we'll pick them up for the corner medical examiner. They put a put them in a body bag. They put a, a zip tie or their particular. You know, zip on it or whatever. You know, yeah. and then so the b- bag's not opened, and then they'll come get them, and then take them up and have an autopsy it's done in different areas. It depends on who's doing the autopsy, what doctors available, and stuff like that.
0: Okay, gotcha. Huh. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Um. Oh gosh. I, I. Let's see. I, I. I want to jump into another category because there's there's quite a few factors of of the business that I'm curious about. Um, cremation. Um, you said that that has gone to virtually a uh, single digit percentage of the business to 60, 60 something percent of um, post mortem decisions the, now. Yeah, and that's in our area. Some
2: are, yes, there are some areas in the United States are higher, and some are lower. It just depends on your area. You what, do you, know? what do you attribute that to? A couple different things. One, our society is more disposable nowadays than what it used to be. Okay. okay. The, the other is the the mobility of our society where, you know, somebody's in New York, somebody's in LA, somebody's in oh. Florida. and oh, let's just cremate and we'll get together and we'll do something later. Okay. Gotcha. You, you see that. And the other thing is cost. You know, there's another the cost factor. So, you know, without a doubt, cremation is cheaper than buying a casket, buying a vault, paying to dig the grave, buying the cemetery lot, paying for the marker. Yes, it is cheaper. Okay.
0: Gotcha. Interesting. Um, Yeah, because I guess, I think you even mentioned it on your website, is in the old days, um, a lot of people were just buried on their family plots, or like the family farm is the way I think it was written. And that makes perfect sense, and I'd never really thought about it, but that's not really a thing anymore, is it? Um, People aren't, for the most part, buried on
2: family land. We still have some, you know, being around here, there's a lot of small towns out here, the farm, you know, we live in the farm where the home of John Deere Tractors is, where the bowling's at, ah. the world headquarters. Okay, and uh, so we have a you know a lot of farms and small communities around here, and there's still family you know cemeteries up on the hill and stuff like that. You know, okay. and, and there are some that are still buried, in, but majority of people nowadays, this you know in town here they're buried uh, at yeah, I cemeteries. Think, you know, I
1: used to be into the uh, cremation thing. I think I'm more. Heading towards, uh, I just want to be buried now. What yeah. about you, Mike? Are you uh, a, a
0: definitely direct... cremation? Although my wife disagrees, so it's her choice. I told her, whatever you want to do with me after I die is fine. I won't be around to disagree with you.
2: You know, see, there you go. I mean, a lot of people don't know what a direct burial is. You know, they've heard of cremation, and there's really three types. I tell everybody, there's three types of cremation. Okay, there's a cremation where you go to the funeral home, they cremate, and hand you back your you know the remains, and away you go. Then there's a the cremation where you have a celebration of life, you have videos going, pictures, you can have some food, you know, and have the urn there and maybe do a funeral service at the end or something like that. Okay. And, and then the, the third one is a rental casket where you can actually, so people can have some closure, where you have the uh, rental casket and then there's insert goes in these caskets and then you take that out and then the person can be cremated afterwards so everybody can have their final moments. Oh gotcha.
0: So you can still do a viewing and is that a wake right. is awake when you have yeah. a viewing? Awake or? the same thing. Awake and okay.
2: the same thing.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So you can have an event where everyone can get together at the funeral home and and yeah. and, and say their goodbyes and all that and then cremation follows. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Is
1: that an is that an important thing, Boo, that uh do you think does that give people closure really like when yes. they see Yes.
2: You know, yeah. I you know from what I see, yes. It helps people out for the clo- you know, to be able to see them for a final time and then closure, then cremate them and from what I see. Yes. I mean, there's everybody's choice. Everybody's different. Yeah. You know, do there. I tell everybody, do what you want to do. You know, it's, it's your choice. Here's your options. I'm an options guy.
1: Yeah. There's, there's probably some, I would imagine there's something that, um, instinctual that gets triggered when you see a loved one's dead body that yeah. you need to see that. Otherwise there's probably just a floating question. And your mind, like, sure. yeah, they died, but I've never seen the dead body. Is that is that how you would describe it? Right,
2: right. I mean, because I have people come in here and, the, you know, what we'll do is, like, if somebody passed away that night at the hospital and somebody was driving in from Chicago, they couldn't make it down here till 8 or 9 in the morning, you know, they died at 3 o'clock in the morning, stuff like that. What we do is we close the person's eyes and mouth and have them hot. You know, just on the cot with a blanket over them and stuff like that in the side room. So if somebody missed them, they can come in and see them real quick so they can have that last little minute with them before we do the cremation. Yeah. And we just do that as a courtesy to family members.
1: You know, when they're in making their fin arrangements, we'll say, okay, you know, here you go. Is that when they would, is that typically you'd see them break down or cry when they see that happen?
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And usually you want to yeah. do your paperwork, get everything all set, get everything done, and then we go see mom or dad. You know, it makes it a lot easier on everybody. Then, yeah, have, let yeah. them see them and then try to settle them back down sure
0: sure yeah that's an interesting thing to think about too is that timeline of handling the the transaction transactiony part of the whole thing and then making sure that's uh chronologically sensitive to the process of what it all is um and mm-hmm. i didn't think about that but that's an important element of the planning
1: and, and it's a, and it sounds like it's potentially more compassionate thing to do for your loved ones totally. uh, uh is to allow them to see the dead body yeah. so that they can have sure. that uh yeah. total closure yeah and, I think that's- uh, yeah it's in- yeah that's that's a uh, i never thought about that really but yeah that's really a great you insight.
2: know maybe not so much for you know, his buddies, you know, some of his acquaintances, I should say, you know, not as, you know, the hardcore friend, but, you know, his best friend. But, you know, some of acquaintance stuff like that, you know, celebration, a lot of nice the yeah. videos, they come in and have a nice time and everything else like that. But for, you know, kids, the, the, the best friend, you know, who's been with them forever, you know, those type of people, you know, that, that's really good closure for him. I
0: think something cool that I noticed on your website is when you're describing some of the different services you offer is you differentiate between a celebration of life and a memorial service. And what would you say are some of the key differences between those two approaches to virtually the same thing?
2: No, celebration of life, we usually refer to that as uh, the visiting time beforehand for before a memorial service. Memorial service is a service without a body present. Okay. So, usually celebrate like we'll say a celebration of life be held from one to four with the memorial service at four o'clock
0: oh gotcha so it's not either or it's so kind of one celebration the other. life
2: is like a it's like a it's, it's the new word for awake for a visitation is a celebration of life. it's a much less and that's somber name yeah. black probably yeah say it again d sorry i talked over you yeah it's like like my wife says it's a little little, little, little more informal and a little more upbeat the celebration of life she, you yeah. know instead of playing you know the 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 you know I will play seventies eighties music's fifties music's whatever they, whatever they would like sure. you know things like that and they have food. It's kind with, of that chance know, to like
0: tell jokes and make fun of the the dead person you know in, in a in a loving way and and have some of that oh, I, uh, needed I laughter have for at, sure.
2: Oh, I have people that want to make their video and play it here on our TV screens while the visitation is going on. For, All right, everybody's here at my funeral service. I and mean, then I have people want to do that, you know, where they can talk to everybody in the crowd.
0: Oh, that's one of those ideas that sounds really funny to do before you die. And then at the moment of time to play it, it comes like, yeah, yeah, that's uh, the tone well, is different. You know, Does it uh, go over but well? still,
2: if you want to talk to everybody. Yeah. you Everybody's here. Love y'all. You know
1: what I mean? Anything else like that. So it's sort of cool in a way. Oh man, that you know God. what I think this has inspired me to do. I think I'm gonna make a playlist. A uh, playlist, I'm gonna make that's, my funeral playlist, yes. I think, or my celebration of life. Playlist. <laughs>
2: I like that. You yeah, bet, I really don't, you I really really don't we care. Playlist, people come in playlists and stuff like that.
0: Really, that's a great idea. I didn't think about that, but yeah, I really don't care what my wife does with my body after I pass. Um, but yeah, the music that's played, I do care about that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put some time and thought into that. I never thought about it before, but now that's that's imperative. That's that matters.
1: Mike is that's, a drummer. Yeah, that describes your life.
0: life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, everyone. Music is 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 a stamp of time and feeling. You know, so everyone will. You know, they may or may not remember some of the details of of my uh, celebration of life, but the music they'll hear those songs later on, and they'll just go like, Yeah, yeah. Mike was a smart ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I need that. Oh, that's that's interesting. All right, I'm gonna start working on that. Then I'm gonna start building my uh, uh, post mortem playlist in Spotify.
1: Yeah, me too. All I right, like that idea. We're getting some great ideas out of this. i right. I'm gonna let people view me. I'm gonna create a playlist that people can listen to. I don't want. Um, pe- are there any other? I don't want people to be-
0: view me. I'm. I think I'm. It's well, a selfish fine. choice,
1: but hey, I guess I won't be there. So what?
2: Who, who cares what I want? But like I said, but it, it, you know that's fine for you. But you have kids, a wife and kids. You said, yeah. You yeah. know your kids, your kid. You know, you at least, at least your kids should at least have the option if they want to see you. or not.
0: Has anyone who has made their own choices about like what to wear or how to be viewed? Has any of them just had like really silly, ridiculous choices of like I want to wear this? And you're like, really? Come on! Like, uh, I could see myself being a wise guy with with my uh, my attire choice. If people do want to see me, I'm like, all right. Well, I'm gonna dress like a clown. Or whatever. You put a big bow tie on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some ridiculous polka dot bow tie. Yeah. And a, and a fake nose or something.
2: Oh, uh, oh, you know, not, you know, we have people, yes, we have people when they come in, they're serious about what they want to wear. Sure. You yeah. know, this is just a dress that, you know, I, you know, and yeah. stuff like that, but uh, like
0: military uniforms, I assume, or just their oh, nice yeah. suit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. I think I would, you have I would be like, this stuff? is my, this is my favorite tank top and basketball shorts. I'll, I'll. <laughs> this is this is me. A suit would look
2: out of place on me. Hey, I've, I've, I've I've had people in bib overalls, yeah. ball caps, uh, cowboy hats. You know, sure. Just you know, every every way you dress. You know. Okay, so a cowboy hat is a tough one
0: logistically because if you're lying on your back, you can't really wear a cowboy hat without it kind of flipping backward because of the rear bill or the you know you the suppose, brim. How, it, how does that yeah, work? You, you have to build a special head support to. to... You bend the hat. All right. All right. <laughs> Yeah. See all these different problems. I never really thought about um, cremation. Mike's not an engineer. <laughs> like, the oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I got to know. Um, so cremation, is that done at a special cremation place? Do you guys cremate there at the funeral home?
2: No, we don't do the cremations here. Some funeral homes have their own retorts. Some don't. We don't have one here in our building here, but we, we haven't uh, done at a, uh, a friend of mine, he owns a, a funeral home in next county down, and okay. he also has a large, state-of-the-art facility. He built brand new facility, so we're using him, and it works really good for us.
0: Okay, um,
2: is as far as uh
0: is there any chance? Okay, so when 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 a body is put into a a cremation chamber, what what, what do you call it? A retort. A retort. Okay. So it's like, it's virtually like gas burners, right? A small chamber with gas yes, burners yes, that you turn yes, on. Yes. And how long it's does it stone, take yes. to
2: fully cremate a body? From the start to the beginning, I think it's two and a half hours or something like that. It oh, depends wow. on the bodies. Okay. It depends on the bodies too. All right. Because if you have a 700 hundred pound, say 700 pound person, they have to be, it's done at a lower temperature for a longer time. So uh-huh. they don't have a fire. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, versus, versus a smaller person, you know, every just like anything,
1: you know, everything's, Depending on size, sure. Does that, or if somebody has a lot of methane in their body, <laughs> I imagine it'll probably go quicker. Sure.
0: Uh, does that factor into the pricing? Is that like overtime? Is no. it you know, hey, standard no, cremation no, no, pricing no. up to three every, hours? Every,
2: every, yeah, every once in a while, you, when you get into you know extreme cases, sure. you know, you'd have to charge a little more. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, of course. And then
0: all right, so few hours, three, four hours or so for cremation and then ashes are left. How are those ashes collected? And how can I be sure that those ashes are all that person I expect them to be and not mixed in with, you know, the previous? Okay, all
2: right. Okay, you, you're you never going to be able to sweep it out completely 100%. Right. You know, I'm just, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a little bit. Okay, then when everybody's, when you're cremated, there's a little medallion put in the corner of the retort with that body. That medallion stays with those bodies' remains. And then what happens is, the when after the person's cremated, what's left are the bones. And then the bones are set through a pulverizer, and that's what turns it into the powder. Okay. And that's pretty well what's left after cremations, is just mainly bone material that's been pulver- pulverized. Oh. Okay. So not is real
0: ashes, but more
2: pulverized bone powder. Right, right. And you uh-huh. know, there's some ash there and stuff like that, but that's what a lot of it is, is because that's what's left after the cremation process. Interesting.
0: I did not know that. Okay. Any idea what the heat for cremation is? How hot is that oven? I'm comparing it to my barbecue because that's all the only point of comparison. I, I used
2: I used to know. Okay. I, used, I used to know all the stats. I, I, I don't know them right now. Sure, I imagine don't, it's not I don't that, that different.
0: Want. We are just animals.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Um. Uh, gosh, popular. I wrote down popularity of cremation versus burial over time, and you've already touched on that. Where burial used to be virtually 100 percent, cremation is oh, yeah, now high nineties. yeah. Cremation is now 60 some percent. Um,
1: how about popularity of bagpipes over time? ah. (laughs) I saw that on your site, it's so interesting. And uh, do so. How often do people do the bagpipes? It's kind of neat, probably once a year. We have them here once a year, once twice a year. You know, it
2: just depends on the volume you're doing or this or that. So, yeah, yeah. and I've actually
0: had for my dad okay so anyone with is it irish or scottish or both roots would typically want a bagpiper there
2: yes okay and some people just want them there just because they're cool
0: it is a cool element and the song they play like the uh um danny boy is that what they normally play or what's what's the the, amazing grace yeah it sounds cool through bagpipes yeah uh personal story is uh i i uh i had a bagpiper try to rip me off after a funeral once um (laughs) A ex-girlfriend from a previous life. Uh, Her father passed away, and uh, I kind of helped her a little bit with some of the funeral arrangements and was obviously at the funeral. And I wanted to contribute and help out a little bit because I knew him, and I thought he was really cool. So he wanted a bagpiper, and I volunteered to take care of it. I'll find a bagpiper. I'll I'll have him there. I'll take care of the bagpiper. So I found a guy. um, He showed up did the whole thing. It was a really cool element of the, of the funeral. We did the funeral like out by the beach. Um, and so it was outdoors and, and it was a really neat, I can see why it's a popular option, uh, is it really is a neat, um, uh, element of a funeral, but then, okay, we agreed on a price and I don't remember what it was exactly, but say it's $200 to show up and, and play the gig. And, uh, the whole thing went off. He, he was really great. And at the end of it, he kind of came over and solemnly shouldered up to me and whispered, okay, so it's going to be $400. And I went, wait a minute, What? we already, <laughs> we already agreed on $200. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's going to be $400. And I'm like, I'm not talking to you about this right now. Like the whole family is <laughs> around. This isn't the moment to get into a price haggle. We agreed on 200 bucks. You're taking your 200 bucks and you're getting in your little, uh, Pinto and driving home, bud. That's what's happening. And, um, I I actually wasn't as tough as I'm making myself sound right now, but a much bigger family member who was older than me, who really was tough, kind of heard what was going on and came over. And he was just like, look, bud, you agreed on 200. That's what you're getting. And uh, it's time for you to go. And the bagpiper said, "Okay, much bigger guy than me, (laughs) took us 200 bucks and got in his little Pinto and drove.
1: Kind of the wrong time to, uh, to try to haggle with you is after he already played. Huh? Well,
0: because probably, I mean, maybe <laughs> like, that's his, 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 his grift is that's a time when I would be much more likely to go, okay, okay. You know, whatever, just take the money. Y'all. I'll just pay him what you're asking. Cause I don't want to deal with it right now. I'm obviously bereaved, you know,
2: that's probably, he just to see if you had that extra 200 in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. What a, what a, yeah. Yikes, man. I couldn't believe it. So yeah, that's my experience with bagpipers, but he did sound fantastic until he tried to rip me off. Um, <laughs> So I think we covered most of cremation. Um, oh, do you? If if a person is going to be cremated, does that change the preparation or embalming process at all, or is that always the same, whether it's burial or cremation?
2: Well, no, no, no. Because if a person's being cremated, they don't need to be embalmed. Okay. Okay. Unless you know, unless you you know, unless you want to go ahead and have that rental casket, have the viewing, and, and that process. Then, yes, the person would be involved, but it doesn't change the cremation process at all. Okay, gotcha.
0: Is there a certain amount of time after from death to you need to make your decision? Like if a family's like, we don't know if they want to be cremated or buried. And you're like, okay, well, you need to tell me by, you know, Wednesday afternoon, which one Well, usually, you,
2: we, you know, we, real politely, you know, you have to explain to them that, you know, if they are going to be, if you are going to have a casket of viewing, the sooner we get to the embalming, the better they your loved one will look. Mm-hmm. Gotcha you're such a pro you've got such a sensitive
0: way of saying things where I'm just like hey Wednesday afternoon take it or leave it
1: yeah well, I think you've you got to be a sensitive person sure. in, in that position that you're in too because it's just uh I mean wow what a what a sensitive situation you have to read the room oh, and yeah. you have to read the people and how they're grieving and um uh, yeah I, I I imagine probably not everybody can do that kind of job just because of you you have to be in tune with the emotions of the people and, and um yeah, it's just, uh, I didn't realize there's a lot of things I didn't realize uh, going into this interview. The, the one ringer I do remember get one ring I, I remember get thrown into
2: a family of four had died in a fire. Okay. And I went out to, uh it was mother and father and two of the kids, four kids, two kids weren't there and they shoved two out the basement window. So four kids end up living of the family. Wow. So now, but now you have all the brothers and sisters. And Because these kids were small at the time, seven, eight years old, you know. So now I'm, I, I have to go meet all the, would be the aunts and uncles of the young kids, you know, the brothers and sisters, the people who passed away. I walked in, I'm 24 years old. I walk into a house. And I have to sit down and meet all these people and deal with this. And there was four caskets, four purses, 24 pallbearers. I mean, when you do something like that, so you really, you learn to read rooms, you know, and, and pick out your people who are the decision makers, who aren't the decision makers and, yeah. and things like that. But you really learn to read people in the crowds in this business. Yeah. I imagine that's an acquired skill that you've certainly had
0: plenty of time to acquire. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably the only thing that's, you can only acquire that through, through experience and exposure to all these, just so many different
1: situations you're faced right, with. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. I think also too, there's gotta be some people who are kind of built like that in a way, but I mean, it's like, sure. You have to be so sensitized to the emotions, but almost in a way desensitized to the body I- itself. But I mean, and it's all just life. Like this is just the reality of life. It's just, um, yeah, just such an interesting, uh, not dichotomy, but just, uh, different elements that, uh, yeah, yeah I, I you know, I, I never had, I didn't know, um, how delicate your job was, uh, a job like this was, but yeah. boy, it really, really, really is,
2: you know, and, and, you know, you have to understand, you know, sometimes people get, you know, you watch them, you grieve. you know, you see their different stages of grief and you have to know when they're just, you know, some people, you know, are at the grieving stage, different stage, you know, and, sure. and, you know, they go through their stages and, You just have to make sure you're handling them in the right stage.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. Because one of those stages is anger, right? So I'm sure you deal with some angry, irate people, and you've probably just got to just kind of let them do their thing, knowing that, oh, this person's not really angry at me. They're angry at the situation and take it for what it is. Exactly. You just have
2: to let them go and and just, you know, see where the conversation takes and just. You know, last thing you want to do is argue with them. Yeah. Just let them run. You know, because right. a lot of it is they're just bent this, that, you know, so you just let them run. Sure. If you don't argue with them. You just let them run with it. Then, then you reassess the situation.
0: Yeah. And you can, you can kind of add therapists to, to your long list of titles on your business card. That's I
2: true. had, I, this is sort of funny. I had a little old lady come in. She sits down next to me and everything else. And I'm there with my suit on and stuff. And she looks at me and she goes, she, you know, we're talking, she looks at me and she goes, she says, my husband worked. He didn't wear a suit. I went, hmm. So I sat there. I thought for just a second. I looked at her. I had my work clothes on. I was doing some stuff around the building right before she got here. I right. looked at her and I says, I, I had my work clothes on right before you got here. I said, I put this on for you. And she looks at me and she goes, oh, that's so nice. But you didn't have to do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I was okay with it. <laughs> wow.
0: Wow, yeah. <laughs> People say odd things just in general, just some people do come out with weird things, but especially when they're in, uh, emotionally vulnerable or emotional states right. of mind, they come out with things like that where you're just kind of like, really? Uh, okay. Uh, let me think okay, of, a, like, let me think of a compassionate way to respond here. Cause I don't want to just
2: be, I don't want to tell you what I really think. No, no. She was sweet. She sure. You know, she just it just probably came out, just house, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> My husband worked, you know, because here in this area we do have a lot of people who work at factories because you know the John sure. factories, the International Harvester, the Taste factories, you know, they're all right here in the Midwest right here. So sure. so we yeah. So we do have that. Wow.
0: Um one last question you, on cremation is scattering of ashes. I assume that's a really common thing. Um are there like laws or rules or, or around, are, are people just able to take an urn of ashes and go, I'm going to go do whatever I want with these? Are there governing bodies, state, federal, how, how does, how does the legality oh. of ashes spreading work? Is that a long, long oh, question? Oh boy. Oh
2: boy. Okay. You wow. Know, I'm running this, we run into this one all the time, you know, and, uh, there are rules, you know, as far as your waterways and, you know, I don't know oh. what the, we're a long ways from the ocean Okay, well, so I don't Right know next the to the Mississippi
0: River, right? So do a lot of people want to spread ashes in the Mississippi River?
2: Yes, and you're not supposed to, but, you know, it's tough so- stopping people from doing anything. You, you know, kind of give them the old, adults, well, you're not supposed
0: own. to, but uh, if you find a place where no but, one's looking, I guess that's up to you.
2: But the big thing, the big thing is the cemeteries, because cemeteries, how they make their money is burying people. Sure. Okay, and the cemetery lots. So you know, mom and dad are up at the cemetery. They've been up there, and now now one of the kids dies. Well, he he never had any family, you know, this and that. So the brothers and sisters they go up there and they sprinkle his ashes on the grave. Well, cemetery catch you doing that? Then they go in, they scoop up the dirt, the top soil, the grass. And they say you'd come pick, you know, pick them back up. Oh, because yeah. they want because they want to keep their records that that person's buried there. They sure. want to charge you a second interment fee and a burial fee of, you know, maybe upwards of a thousand dollars. Sure. So, so we run into that situation, you know, uh, every now and then, you know, at least once, once a year, twice a year, I hear of situations where cemeteries got after people for uh, putting them on graves. Sure. And that's sort of frowned upon. You know, but uh, yeah,
0: I mean, they're in the business of interring people, and you go and inter someone there for free. I guess I see it from their side, but also from the family side. It's like, hey, we own this plot, can't I sprinkle some dust on top I of the know. grass? You know, I mean, yeah, that, that's a, I that's know. a tough I mean, one.
2: It's, the, it's one of those things you just have to watch, you yeah, know, that's and, a tough one. And just so you know, it's just what the law you know rules are at different cemeteries, but you know, yeah. I highly recommend before you go sprinkling ashes on cemetery lots, you talk to the cemetery, just so, you know, what could be coming your way. Yeah. What, what about uh, spreading
0: ashes in the air, like from an airplane? Like maybe a guy was a pilot or loved to fly. And then it's like, oh, we want to sprinkle grandpa's ashes from an airplane. Is that legal? <laughs> I don't know how you would do it, actually? I mean, that there's any of those o- open cockpit World War One planes around, you'd have to hire. But
2: uh, is that wing, Get yourself a bi-wing and flip you upside down? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's> hot air <laughs> balloon? I don't know. You know, it's, they got to, you know, it's just... It's just so whatever somebody thinks is wrong, it's, you know. It's just one of those things that uh, is so borderline, you know, with what, yeah. you, what people do. I think a lot of it. But, yeah, it's not really. It's not enforced. Enforced patrol, like, but it's just sure. one of those things. But I had some friends, and and they'll tell a story that their their uncle had passed away, and he left some money, and he wanted his ashes spread down this down a. Uh, we have a golf course. Okay. So this one of his nephews was a pilot, so he practices. He rents the plane. His uncle left the money and everything else, so he gets the plane and he practices for a little bit. You know, flying this plane, getting used to it all and stuff wow. like that. So then, all he dives down on this golf course. He says, breaking every aviation every aviation rule there is. I'm going at 150 feet down this fairway. Yeah open up the window, the ashes go out. The window is open on the other side. They went right around the plane and came back in. Oh no. All over everybody. Oh no. So they had to go put the plane down. He says my cousins look at me with horrified face. This isn't around here. Oh my but he goes my cousins look at me a horrified face. We go down there we sweep the plane back out. (laughs) Get back up in the air go back up in the air then we uh, go oh. back down the runway, the flag back down the fairway again, he says. And then we dumped his remains out over the fairway of the golf course. Oh my, my gosh. Oh, yeah. oh my so, I thought you, know, I thought you were going to say
0: that the golf course had something to say about it. I didn't expect
2: it to take that turn. That's, oh man. <laughs> and then I also tell everybody, too, if you're going to scatter ashes, this is just something to think about. If you're going to scatter ashes, no matter where you're going to steer them at, just take a second and figure out which way the wind's blowing. I, <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, if, I mean, People do it, and it comes back on them, you know. Have, but you have to just, have just take ever, a
0: second. Have you ever seen the movie The Big Lebowski?
2: I I have, but I can't remember it. You know, I've seen, you know, with Goodman was in it, wasn't he? Yeah, so, so, so uh,
0: John Goodman is this, like, Vietnam vet, really loud, obnoxious guy named Walter. Um, Jeff Bridges right. is the dude, super cool, laid-back guy. And then their little I, friend Donnie is Steve Buscemi. And um, they're a group of three friends. They love to the bowl. Uh, Steve Buscemi, Donnie, uh, dies unexpectedly, has a heart attack. So then his two friends, uh, John Goodman and Jeff Bridges, are left to make his funeral arrangements. And they even make some joke like, uh, we decided to go with cremation because we had no idea what Donnie's final wishes may have been. Who knows? So they chose cremation. And there's a scene where uh, uh, Jeff Bridges and John Goodman are are in an office uh, talking to a funeral director. And... The funeral director passes them an invoice and on it is the cost of an urn. And it's something like, I don't know, $400 or whatever. And Walter, John Goodman, passes it back and he goes, what's this here? What's this? And he goes, oh, that's the cost of the urn. And Walter goes, well, we don't need an urn. We're going to scatter the ashes. And the funeral director says back to him, well, we need to deliver the ashes to you in a receptacle. Uh, And he goes, well, $400 just for a receptacle? That seems a little steep. And the funeral director very professionally says... Uh, well, this is our most modestly priced receptacle. And Walter just explodes and goes, ah, damn it. This is, you know, taking advantage of us in our time of grief and all this. And then he goes, is there a Costco nearby? And then smash cut to the next scene. They're standing on a cliff by the ocean with a a Costco sized Folgers can, uh, full of the (laughs) ashes. And, uh, and then they do exactly what you were saying. Um, they say a little something and then shake out the ashes, and he does it in the wrong direction, and all the ashes blow right back in Jeff Bridges' face while he stands there. And uh, it's it's hilarious. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. I mean, you would believe. What, I, it doesn't matter to me what you want to use as an urn. That's why I tell people, you bring in whatever you want. Oh, really? to I've used all, okay. all types of different things as urns. I mean, it's just what it is. Has anyone ever brought in a coffee can? Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, just Coffee utilitarian.
0: Can, uh, ammo box. Ammo growlers. box. All right. That's kind of cool. Beer,
2: beer beer, growlers. Ah, that's kind of cool yeah. too. All right. Owned a brewery. Owned a brewery. So they had aluminum aluminum growlers. Just really cool. I mean, I was like, well, that's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's, it's beautiful, you know. And, that really and is. So, you know, it, it depends on what you want. You know, everybody's choice is different.
0: Okay. Have you ever had anyone like make their own? uh my dad's really crafty and he makes everything so that's what makes me think of that is anyone like oh, yeah. made their own urn
2: uh, i i got a buddy that just lives right over here and he made them for his family he'll make them for his family but i mean he does the dovetail corners on the urns oh, wow. you know real wood pretty wood and stuff like that so wow yeah yeah interesting
0: okay that's so funny that you talked about the wind yeah that made me think of that that scene from it's <laughs> just a hilarious scene and uh um, well, I'd say four hundred
2: dollars for a minimum receptacle is a little high.
0: Is it a little steep? Okay, so he was <laughs> he was taking steep. advantage of them in their time yeah. of grief. Yeah. All yes. right. So John Goodman was uh, was not that out of line.
2: And here, here's I'll tell you something that I'll, I'll never forget from my college professor saying, and it's so true in the funeral industry. Here, if something would go wrong. You know what I mean? Here's what's gonna happen. He says, You got your twelve jurors over there. He says, and here's the, the family you've been dealing with, and they have your attor- their attorney, and you're sitting there with your attorney. He goes, Their attorney's gonna look at those twelve jurors and go, My poor bereaved family. He goes, and you just lost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> the end of it. He goes, yeah. You just lost. All he has to do is look at that juror and put point at him this family and go, My poor bereaved family. He yeah. goes and it's over for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, stay out of court. Yeah, you Get make a great point, court, but look at those yeah. faces. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Um, <laughs> so that that was all I had on cremation, Derek. You have any questions on cremation?
1: No, no, I don't. I no. Um, I mean, I have other questions, but yeah, not.
2: I mean, you know, we can always do this again too. That's no problem. Yeah. Sure. Are you running yeah. short on time? Well, I'm, I got to meet somebody at one o'clock. Uh, our time to make some funeral arrangements, some gotcha. rearrangements. arrangements So I got about 15, 20, 15 minutes or so, 20 oh, minutes left. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. If you don't mind,
0: I just wanted to run through a couple of questions on burial. Um, sure. Uh, caskets. So you said rental caskets are an option if you're just going to, you know, be doing a viewing in a casket and then the person's going to be cremated. Right. Um, but buying a casket, the range of pricing for caskets is uh, wide to say the least. So, uh, on your on your website, it just kind of gives a general ballpark of somewhere between almost four hundred dollars to just under sixteen thousand, and who knows from there. Right. Wow. What would is material the main reason for such a giant leap in price? Like we're talking plywood versus you know rare endangered uh, cedar or something, or
2: what's a co- what's a piece of copper cost now? There's copper oh, caskets, copper. There's solid bronze caskets. Oh, there's Stainless steel caskets, yes. Okay. So, so when you get into solid copper bronze caskets, yes, they, that price gets up there just like anything made out of bronze. Then you know, okay, what's a piece of cherry wood cost over? You know, what's a cherry wood table cost over a a, a maple or a, or a poplar a poplar wood table? Yeah. You know, or or pressed wood? You know, so yeah. so that that you know that, that's your differences. You know, some of them. Gotcha. I was just so the, only thinking
0: wood. I didn't think other materials are, are copper and steel and and these other materials real real popular. Right.
2: Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, because it takes more to make a wood casket than it does to make a metal casket. Metal yeah. casket, they can stamp them on assembly lines. You know, they're made on assembly lines and just sprayed, you know, and oh. and put together. Where a wood casket, oh, you know, you got to resand that lid or, you know. Yeah, there's you know a lot how, of craftsmanship going on there. Yeah, with wood. Yeah, sure. It can still be done on CNC machines. I'm sure that's how they're doing them on the big CNC machines. But still, there's, you know, a little more craftsmanship to a wood than a sure. metal casket. Sure. Oh, and then cost of
0: material uh has been insane ever since the pandemic uh for I guess a myriad or who knows how many different reasons oh, but oh yeah
2: yeah we're seeing even
0: you know extra charges on caskets and stuff like that oh yeah yeah uh just because of supply yeah, for sure. Certainly, steel. Even wood, though. Wood has gone way up, and and everything's gone up. Even turnaround times, right? Because labor is, is such a difficulty nationwide. Where we, maybe a wood casket that took are, are they made to order or are they just you know ready to well, buy
2: or? When when I the, when I started here, it was getting to the end of the little casket makers in the seventies. Okay? okay, it used to be that we'd we'd be out in the back door and casket makers. A truck rolling roll into our driveway, a box truck. We'd go out there and say, pull a casket off. Say, eh, No, we don't like the way that one looks. Oh, yeah, that's a good look. The one we'd buy, it. we used to keep 50 caskets here around our funeral, 50, 75, 50, 60 caskets. Well, now we have warehouses, you know, all around us, you know, getting down to where you don't have the little casket manufacturers, getting to the point where it's all... You know, you bigger manufacturers and stuff like that. So they all have warehouses now. So all I have to do is call down a warehouse and say, hey, bring me up that casket. Yep. Or if they're out of that one, they'll have four other choices the same color, close to it, or something like that.
0: Well, and, and even speaking of Costco-supplied coffee cans for urns, Costco sells caskets, too. So I'm sure a lot of people buy caskets in any one of these different places, and then they supply the casket a lot of
2: times? Or do they buy them through you? You, you, you know, you don't see that much of it. No, you know, I don't okay. think there's that big of a market because uh, we, we don't really, you know, the funeral homes are out here in this Midwest area. We don't see that much of the Costco caskets. Cause, okay. Okay. The, the person that dies, they don't want to go to Costco and deal with them and have the d- d- delivery and yeah. all that stuff. You know, they just want to come into the funeral home, yeah. get it all done and walk out the door.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That totally makes sense. I certainly wouldn't want to mess
2: with that. Um, Okay, now you're done with me. Well, now we gotta go over to Costco and look for caskets. Okay, you, <laughs> you know casket shopping. Yeah,
0: that's not at the top right. of anyone's
2: list. So, right. So yeah, you know we don't see that much
0: of it. Um, personally made caskets. There again, my dad. He probably
2: uh, uh, maybe no. You can make your own casket. Sure. I have. I have a gentleman. He's a heck of a wood craftsman out here. Like uh, fancy trimming houses. Like he'll make the teeth to. He cuts the teeth to make the trim to match old trim, wow. you know, because here we still have a lot of old homes around here. He makes the, the trim. He'll make the trim to match the old trim and stuff like that. Oh, wow. he, he comes up with his tape measure. He's measured the caskets and everything else. He's going to make his own caskets. That's pretty for neat. Him, for him and his family. Yeah. But he's a little different because he has, you know, he's a craftsman. That's what he's done his sure. whole life is build things. Sure. Sure. Huh. Then he's asking
0: his, his sister, like, hey, what would you like on your casket? She's like, I don't want to talk about that. What are you asking me that at Thanksgiving
2: for? Well, my one of, one of my boys is married to his niece, so, you know, oh. <laughs> so that sort of brought him into the family. Sure, sure, yeah. But, wow. Uh, he, they, they, his family had done, you know, made woodworking for us for years, making different stuff wow. around the old buildings, so. though. What, what would you
0: ballpark guess the most expensive casket you've ever uh, worked with before? Any guess?
2: I don't know. We used to have solid bronze caskets here, you know, wow. but we don't sell. You don't sell those anymore. You don't sell copper caskets. You don't sell bronze caskets. Yeah, those sales all went away. You know, now what you're seeing are eighteen and twenty gauge steel caskets. You know, the fifteen, the thousand, fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred dollar caskets. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't sell the six seven thousand dollar caskets anymore. Yeah. Because wow. that's just for the casket. You know, yeah. that's not the whole funeral service. Sure. You know, I, I had a lady. I. I you know, God bless her. She, her her son had passed away, and I was talking to her on the phone. She hadn't got here yet, and, and we're just talking out of the clear blue. She says, "Oh," and I want the best vault there is for my son. You know, and I said, "Well," you know, let her settle down for a little bit. I said, "Let's go back to that vault." I said, "You know," I said, "The most expensive." I said, "The vaults start at six hundred and forty-five dollars." I said, "There's all kinds of price ranges in between." I said, "The most expensive one for the vault alone is twelve thousand dollars," and. She says, well, tell me about those vault races, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, let's talk about this some
1: more. I want to be protected from EMFs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> like so, head. you know,
2: I wasn't, I wasn't about to go down that route, you know, so, some guys at Peter Holmes probably would have jumped all over that. try selling her the big high dollar ball. I was like, ma'am, this is your, you know, this is your choices. Yeah. You know, think about this before you, you know, and she didn't know because she didn't know she just wanted the best for her son. Yeah. You know, which is normal. Totally. That's you know, normal. Totally.
0: You're like, you know, take yeah. that, that extra money and, and, you know, uh, buy a park bench or something like that, or there, there's other ways cool. to maybe
2: go right, extravagant right, you know yeah and, yeah so she ended up finding a very very nice vault a mid-range vault you know anything else like that i think sure. they're like they're like 1800 or 15 1800 you know something like that so yeah. she got something really nice you know very nice vault she didn't yeah. have to go to that stream
0: um can i ask you uh, a personal choice question of what is your choice for um when you go
2: <laughs> you bet. Bury me. I'm not going to be cremated. I'm sorry. Okay. You know, I used to. And uh, uh, I'm I'm more in the lines with Derek. There, you know, let my family see me, have a burial, and then go out and have a big celebration someplace. Cool. Have okay. a big party with food and booze and and everything
0: else like that. Tell funny stories and yeah, yeah. That's the yep. part of it that oh uh, yeah, that I, pictures I best
1: and stuff it. like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Let people have some closure. Um and then my last question is uh I'm one of those people that doesn't have a will or a trust.
2: Do you need my name and address to get set up
1: the attorney or what? Oh, is that is that how you <laughs> do that? Yeah, I, I uh you know I just I imagine you run into that a lot. And your advice just get it done or man,
2: but I everybody's different with their assets in this world. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And I have, I had a lady come in here one time and I looked at her and I said, have you talked to an attorney? She says, no. I said, you need to go see this guy right now. You know what I mean? And then come back and talk to him. You know what I mean? She yeah. came back. She says, oh, I'm so happy I talked to you. We got all the farm ground into a trust, you know, and this and that. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to lose all this farm ground because mom's in a nursing home, right. you know? So you know, my, my advice is, yes, go talk to somebody. Talk to a uh, uh, you know get a will, will set up and uh, and things like that. Get things in order whether you want a living trust or you know a living will or or want you know you want the plug pulled or whatever. You know, get those things written down ahead of time. And here's the thing about when making funeral arrangements. Okay, there's two types of arrangements when you go see your funeral home. One's prepaid and once non-prepaid okay non-funded funded and non-funded are really your two pre-arrangements okay and i tell everybody i said just go into the funeral your local funeral home write everything down you don't have to pay but at least get things written down where they have an idea they have you know your your pertinent information for certificates you know and stuff like that so they're not having to grind questions out of your family members at the time of death right and really? just it, it doesn't cost anything just to have everything on file at funeral home. They have every funeral home packages. You can get a package, go home, even fill it out, keep it in a drawer or something like that. But, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to have ideas written down so your families know which way to go. Because sometimes, like you said, the family doesn't know whether to be buried or cremated. Wow. And, it, you know, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything going and sit down with the funeral home and uh, make your prearrangements, at least get things written down. And what a considerate yeah, step yeah.
0: to take for your family, because they're going to be faced with those questions at a time that is just really tough to be um, right, uh, making right. those choices or faced with those questions. And I never thought about just, you know, whether or not you prepay or, or formally lay all the groundwork. If you just lay the choices down of this is what I want, that's that's a huge part of the process, um, right. the Decision making part of it. That's a yeah. Because something
2: happen, like you know, Mike. There's something happened to you. Boom! Right now, would your wife know what you wanted to do? Uh, no, no, I really don't have anything set up, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't even have to have anything set up. Just, I mean, even with set up with a place, but at least you know you can get folders, you can get things written down. Say, yeah. okay, this is what you know, this is what I want, and you know, that's 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 a big step, just getting things written down.
0: I want her to ship me to Went Funeral Home. Does that does that do you think that too? Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. uh, do you get a lot of of business from out
2: of state, or is it all local? I imagine vast majority of it's local, but. Oh, it's in the funeral business. It's very, very local. You're okay. a localized business. Cause I mean, it could just cost money to go get somebody and bring it back. You know? sure. I mean, that's what it is. So, yeah. so, you know, funeral homes are localized and where we live is, you know, we have the Mississippi river right here. And that is, it, it was a big dividing line in the funeral industry. I mean, cause if you're from Iowa, you're buried in an Iowa funeral home, you're from Illinois, mm-hmm. you know, cause you only got three bridges going across here. So, you know, you're in Illinois, you're from Illinois. You, a lot of times you're at Illinois funeral homes, yeah. but, uh, Wow. Interesting. Yeah, but, so but uh, now with myself, and another gentleman, we started a a, a uh, another funeral home here in town, we started a, a cremation service where it's just online direct cremations, get in with times, you know, because a lot of people just want to do things on they don't want they want to do everything at their computers. Some people do are that. Sure. And and uh, we just do an online direct cremation where they fill out the paperwork online. We go pick up the people, bring them back here, do the cremation, call them up, say, come pick up your remains at a less of a cost. So, you know, we're seeing more crossover from Iowa to Illinois for that. Sure. But outside that, if it's going to be a funeral and a visitation and stuff like that, you know, where we're at, it's, it's uh, the yeah. dividing line the river the state line is the river. Yeah. It makes sense.
0: Wow. Um, now one last question for you. I want to let you go. So you're not late for your next appointment is in, one of the photos on your website, looks like it was taken in the 60s, a uh, black and white photo of the Victorian home you're in now with some old uh, vehicles out in front. And one of them is a 59 Cadillac hearse, um, the, the 59 Cadillac with the big fins, With so the fins are so big, the taillights are in the middle of the fin. Uh, I'm not a big car guy, but I love 59 Cadillacs. And do you still happen
2: to have that 59 Caddy hearse? No, we do not, and unfortunately, we, we our, my family didn't keep any of the cars. My dad was a real car buff. who just passed away. Oh yeah, and he collected cars. He was a car collector, and uh, actually, I just sent just sent the last two of his cars, which was a '49 Cadillac limo, which was the last limousine purchased by John Deere's granddaughter. Wow, her name was Catherine Butterworth. There's a big Butterworth Center here in our town, and then. Uh, The other car was a 77 Cadillac ambulance. My dad had restored both those. He bought the one, the John Deere car, but then he restored the ambulance. I helped him restore it stuff like that. But that was his passion. It wasn't anything that we used here at the funeral home. And, you know, if we kept some of those old cars, yeah, I would keep them. But uh, we, but, uh, you can't keep everything. Yeah. He, he was, my dad was like car collector. He bought, bought a car from James Walgreens, old man Walgreens from the drugstores. He collected Lincolns. He's ah. from the Chicago area. and when he passed away, there's a big Lincoln, you know, big Lincoln sale and stuff like that. Well, my dad's Lincoln buddies. Hey, come on, we're going to Chicago sale. Okay. So he goes up there. Well, my dad's the only Cadillac guy and they have one Cadillac. It was a Tom Nation flower car curse, like the old gangster type where they put all the flowers in it and stuff like oh, that. Right. So, so it was up there. It was like 56 or something like that. So my dad buys this car cheap. You know, there's nobody bidding on it. Oh, yeah. Heck, I'll buy it. You know what I mean? You know, it's sort of a specialty thing. Besides being a Cadillac and a Lincoln an auction, it's also a combination flower car, hearse. Wow. So, you know, your, your your market went way down. Yeah. It wasn't like it was a two door st- Cadillac. <laughs> it wasn't like it was a red rank top, you know, 54 sure. Cadillac convertible. It yes, was yeah, a, very narrow appeal, know. for sure. Exactly. So he brings it home and we had it sit down in the garage here for 20 years. I think he put 300 miles on it in 20 years. And so after dad said, I sold it back to the original owner of the car, wow. to a Peter in up in the suburbs of Chicago. He bought it back from me. So he oh, got wow. his car back after he had sold it to Walgreens. Walgreens sold it to us. And then I sold it back to him. And he said that was the hardest check he ever had to write. Because oh, wow. that car went way up in value from the time he sold it. Sure, sure. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so he stole it cheap, and then he had to buy it back expensive. Yeah, yeah you think
0: yeah. what that originally cost was probably $3,000 or something. I'm sure it cost quite a bit more oh, than I'm that gonna, to buy it
2: back. He, he stole to Walgreens for 1800 Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh he had to God. buy it back for me for big, a pretty penny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. I do have a bunch more questions, Boo. This has been such a fun conversation, but we should let we you go. Even, so we'll you do can. it
2: again. We'll yeah, do it again. I'd
0: like that. Yeah. I'd like that. I really, uh, I didn't know what to expect with this, interview, honestly, where Derek and I had the idea of let's talk to a funeral home director. It's one of these interesting lines of work that I don't think many people know about or or think about much. And and it's a really interesting thing. Um, So we wanted to learn more about it. And then I was so fortunate to have found you where you're just such a nice guy and so easy to talk to, so full of information and, and come from such a long line of, of professionals in the industry and such a neat, historical American business. We really feel fortunate to have had this time with you, so thank you. Yeah, it was great. It was you. great being with you guys, too. Awesome. Nice meeting you guys. Nice Can't nice wait to meet you in person someday. And and, and yeah, thank your absolutely. wife, Tammy. She, she's absolutely lovely. We really appreciate you over there, Tammy. Thank you. I will tell her that. Awesome. Well, you guys so, enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again for your time. And, you, too. Uh,
2: yeah, get me in touch with us or whatever, we, you know, if you get we'll do another segment or something like that. And then there's all, you know, I've got so many stories, you know, sometimes you're not going to be producing it or whatever I can tell you.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right. We might take you up on that. I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> you know, they're interesting stories and uh, it's how people react at different times to grief. You for know, sure. different yeah. and different questions people have asked for the years.
0: You got a uh, quick one you have time for that's on top of your mind?
2: You're not going to play this anywhere, are you?
0: Uh, oh, well, yeah. So oh, maybe not. Well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we, we should all get together and have a beer and we can uh, we can tell some more yeah, stories.
1: <laughs>
0: all right. Well, thank you so much, Boo. This really has been an enjoyable time. Oh, okay. All right. All right. You,
2: you have a good day. You do the all same. Right. Thanks take, again. We'll see care. you later. Uh, okay. Uh, bye. Bye-bye. So, well, so I'm living in the funeral home. You know, they brought me back from the hospital here. And we lived here till I was five or six years old before my parents moved out of the apartment. So, I, you know, who knows? I was probably carried through the prep room when I was a baby, you know?
0: Hey, this is Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. We really, really do appreciate you. And we hope you're enjoying the show. Derek and I sure have a ton of fun doing it for you. If you'd like to support the show, that would be great. Um, you could follow or subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Uh, also, if you want to like the show or leave a good review, that would be cool. Let us know we're doing a good job. We'd appreciate it. Uh, in most podcast apps, you can also click the little bell icon thing, and that means you'll get a notification on your phone every time we put out a new episode. So that's kind of cool. Also, if you want to reach out and say what's up, we'd love to hear from you. You can hit us up on Twitter at Derek and Mike Pod. We're also on Instagram as Derek and Mike, or you can go to our website, derekandmike.com. And if you want to go super old school and antisocial, you could even shoot us an email, info at DerekandMike.com. Thanks again for listening. We really, really do appreciate you, and we look forward to talking to you again next time.